Hey, a pleasant good day, everybody. This is actually a sports episode coming to you from True Philadelphia and SportsCast Wentzwagon. And this is our Eagles episode, of course. I am here joined with Andrew today. How are you doing, Andrew? Fairly well, fairly well. Uh, another good day. Um, you know, stuck in quarantine, but moving on. Yeah, yeah, that's always the uh, talk of the day um, nowadays, but... In terms of our uh, birds, I think a good place to start would be, <clears throat> number one, since it's the title of our podcast, what do you look most forward to coming into Carson Wentz's season this year as he continues to grow as a quarterback and get different pieces around him and probably a little bit of a different system with the new bodies coming in this season? I think I'm most excited for what he has uh come back with some healthy weapons. I think it's going to be big for him. I think a full year off the uh, ACL back injury, I know he ended up getting the head injury, but I think that's uh, that's going to happen in football. So that's coming off a full you. season of a healthy leg and healthy back. I think I'm very excited to see what he has to bring and get his mobility fully back. And I think next year he's going to take off and be a top MVP candidate again. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Carson in my eyes too was once we eventually figured it out last year, because it took a long time with these random people we had in our lineup, but once we did, we kind of got going with those random guys like the Burnett's. He would complete passes to Greg Ward, obviously. Um, that guy, Davis, and whatever that other guy's name was that I can't remember. Robert well, Davis, I think. Yeah, well, the Davis, but there was one other bull that we had that was random, too. We just had a lot of those guys. Uh, uh, Joshua up. Perkins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... And uh, he was completing passes to them that it, that's kind of what everybody, all the people that know a lot more than us on ESPN, like Dan Orlovsky's of the world analysts say, is what is a trait of great quarterbacks, not just good NFL quarterbacks, making lesser talent look good around you when you need it to happen. And then making Greg Ward become a, looking like he can become a very solid slot wide receiver. Obviously, Greg Ward has a lot of talent himself fighting as a non-practice squad person, but having a quarterback like Wentz immensely helps your case. Exactly. I think his ability to elevate the talent last year, what he had, showed how good he was. That was a huge uh, step up for what what he is for the team and what he is going to be going forward. And I think that's what shows me uh, how much confidence I have in him, even through some of his struggles through getting back, is the way he was able to elevate that talent with him and the way he progressed through the season. And uh, I think now that they're not hiring an offensive coordinator, I think in a way that kind of might help him get Doug Peterson's system fully again in uh, third year or the fourth year under that. So I think, I think I really think it's going to help him take off next year. Yeah, I agree. I think next year, as long as we also, as we're rumored in either the first or second round, depending what falls to us in the first to get a receiver, I think we would get one in the first. But that's also going to really help us immensely but I think before we get on the positives of what we think going next season it would be good to talk about we of course lost two of the bigger leaders on the team and letting of course Jason Peters who's aging at this point but then Malcolm Jenkins who the only thing he graded lower on last year compared to past years was direct um coverage of like tight ends and um just complete man coverage, but he didn't grade that much lower on a scale of it where you would think you couldn't pay him. 
do you think uh, that leadership loss is going to be more of a big deal than people actually are making it out to be on offense and defense, especially since Peters and Jenkins are on both sides? I'll start with Peters first. I don't think on offense it's going to be that much because I think uh, what we I think Kelsey and Lane Johnson are big enough leaders on that line that to get through that loss. I think Wentz can take Wentz Jackson uh, veterans now. I think they can take the offense to the next ability as well. Um, as far as the defense goes, I think yeah, I think Jenkins. I think it's a huge loss. I think the leadership's going to. I think it's going to hurt for the first couple of games before they find a rhythm. Uh, I think it puts a lot on McLeod's shoulders because um, he's technically the veteran now, and Fletcher Cox. I think it's up to those two and Brandon Graham in their respective positions. And then I think it's it's going to be huge for Rodney to help uh, Jalen Mills get get a, situated back there in safety. So I think, yeah, I think for the first couple of games, you're going to see see some uh, leadership drop off, and it's going to affect the defense, I think, for the first couple of games. I, yeah, I agree with that. And actually, you brought up Fletcher Cox, which reminded me of a point that I read a few days ago. I can't remember um, whose article was in, especially because it was mentioned a couple times. But if you look at Cox's grades last year compared to Jenkins, he actually had a lesser season in terms of, like, at his position to his career totals. He graded the worst out of his whole career, which is probably why you added a guy like Hargreaves because you want to keep adding to the line, where Jenkins only graded more closely, like, minutely less than he has in the rest of his career. So I remember they were talking about that on a podcast while I was in my car the other day, and they said that's obviously probably why they added Hargrave, but... You can't get rid of. You're obviously not going to get rid of Fletch, but it made it seem a little weird that you kind of let Malcolm Jenkins go like that when Cox was actually one of your worst graded people last season in terms of like your big time talent. Yeah, but you got to remember he was also dealing with a uh, foot injury, so I think that was definitely bothering him. I think by the end of the season, you really saw him take off again. So I'm not too worried about Fletcher Cox. I think he's a standout player. Oh, I'm not worried about him. I'm just saying if we're talking about from like a PR, like what it looks like standpoint it looks like if you're getting rid of your veterans that are getting older well, towards their high 30s under contract and jenkins yeah. had the option so i mean plus that's i think there's still a five four four or five year gap between the two ages so yeah when you're trying to get younger i don't think fletcher really applies to that yeah i i just think with him it's more you gotta hope he like you said bounces back because if he plays closer to what he did last year, he's not worth his contract. That's just as simple as um, that. It's not saying anything bad against the players, just simple business. If you don't play up to what you're paid, you're not worth what you're paid anymore. Now, in sports, you're still going to get paid because they don't just fire you. They can't do that. They can release you, but then they're still paying you down. So, um, it's, I think he's going to bounce back, but that's definitely going to be uh, tough to uh, watch if so if he does keep getting fluke injuries, man, that, and that's why, like you said, you, you sign Hargrave and, and and you build that line to that caliber, and we'll see if we we go after the Jaguars guy and Yannick, and we'll see how that plays out because that there's obviously a I lot of rumors like in that situation. So you're trying to get younger on the line as well, and then you're gonna be getting uh, Malik Jackson back from injury. So they're gonna, they're trying to build that depth back that they had on the, on the line in uh, 2017, and I think that goes a long way. I agree with that, but the question I had with you about, if we're going to talk about uh, Ngakwe, who I think I said his last name, right? I apologize if I didn't. Um, But if we're going to talk about him, 
his cap hit, he's coming to the end of a contract. And his hit's supposed to be pretty high. And he's one of the best in the business. So you have to also think, when you already signed Hargrave, and you have Cox, and then you also, of course, still have Jackson, who I think is until after next year, right? Yeah. So uh, you have to figure out how much you actually are able to commit while spreading the wealth through your team to the D-line. That's the other side of that, and they've been talking about that a bit on Miss Anelli's show, doing a good job, in my opinion, because there's a lot more dominoes that go into Nagakwe, especially after you get Hargraves, than there was before. So, um, that's kind of, once we got him, I didn't think we were getting Nagakwe, unless if it kind of fell into our lap. At the, at that at this point, then I think we would get him if something kind of just falls into our lap. But that's the only way I kind of see it at this point. But I do like the smaller pickups uh, we have also made um, in obviously bringing back local area native um, Will Parks. Uh, Philly sports teams have been doing that a lot recently, bringing local dudes back home, and then uh, Nikel Roby Coleman, of course, as a uh, low-risk um, um, guy that we signed for a one-year. Kind of reminds you of the P-Rob signing a little bit. Um, is a good guy to bring in for one year and see what he can do. And was al- is also a little bit younger, I believe, than P-Rob when he came in. So he's a guy you could possibly have for the next couple of years. I I don't know if you had any thoughts on those two signings. No, I think uh, they're big signings. I think um, Parks will give you more depth at safety. The Eagles like their depth on the defensive end as uh, Jim Schwartz likes to rotate a lot of guys. I think that that's going to help in that case. He's clearly excited to be here in Will Parks. And then as far as the um, the corner goes, no, it's a big, it's a big time signing because right, you really didn't have that depth. That you obviously lost um, you lost uh, Russell Douglas to the um, – they're not Russell Douglas. Uh, who was it? Signed the Redskins. Oh, uh, Darby. Yeah, you lost Ronald Darby to Washington about in, anyway. in division. So now you're going with two new guys in your first two quarter spots. I, it was a huge signing, and this guy's got playoff experience. So it goes a long way, and I'm a big, big believer in the playoff experience. I agree with that as well, and I was perfectly fine with um, letting Ronald Darby go at this point. That was uh, one of those things you would call a failed experiment. Um, yeah, it took a chance on him in like the third or fourth round, I think, and. Well, no, we traded for Darby. Oh, yeah, I'm getting Douglas and Darby mixed up. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're, ta- yeah, you're talking about <laughs> Russell Douglas, yeah. yeah D- Darby, Douglas, Darby we got from um, yeah, the Bills. Yeah, the Bills guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm straight now. I, yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was, that was, we gave up, what we give up for him? Uh, <laughs> That's going back a little bit. Uh <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what we gave up for him. I just remember he was from the Bills. I think we probably, if we went back at it, we probably did give up a little bit too much, if I remember correctly, compared to what he's done for us now. But I can't 100% verify that. Oh, we gave Jordan Matthews. So, it was a loser. Oh, no, never mind, but... never mind. Yeah, <laughs> um, but another position, obviously, we had to address at some uh, level, even though guys like Nate Gary have really um, come into the fold as other low-end guys that the Eagles bring in and do well in the organization. The birds tend to be decent at doing that. Um, Jatavius Brown is a guy that we brought in this year that has had some good years under his belt and is a guy that I think also could be another 
cheaper version of a linebacker that you come in, fit him in well to your system, and then maybe keep him around for a few years because he's also only going on um, 26, I believe. So taking a chance on anyone entering their like prime years when they had some good flash periods, I think are always good people to uh, take chances on and try to fit into your system. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he does. I don't think he's anything too, too special, so I don't know how much he's really going to help the, the defense. Uh, I don't think he's played that well, much. Well, did Gary do anything too, too special, though? And look how much he helped our defense. That's kind of, that's kind of the point I was getting at. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I think um, it's going to be interesting to see the way they go, and I know they want to get younger, so the move. Uh, I'll stick with this real quick, but, yeah, he's a young guy you're going to take a chance on, and he's going to prove me deal, and we'll see if uh, – See how it works out. Uh, he's comes over from the Chargers. So it's going to be a interesting fit. He's already mentioned I think he likes to fit with the Eagles a little better with with the spot, the linebacker. So, I, again, he's, he's another exciting guy. I think it's going to be a good move to get some young guys in here. Um, I do think, uh, staying with the linebacker position, I'd love to see maybe uh, bring in uh, Clay Matthews on a one-year deal. I think uh, obviously he's a little older, but Rams cut him, and I think uh, he still has a little bit left to offer. So I think he's a guy I'd take a chance on for a one-year deal, a nice veteran, bring in a much-needed position and and see where he goes from there. He's also a good veteran leadership for a position that doesn't really have any veteran leadership on our team, uh, other than if you consider Nate Gary a veteran. But um, that's the only leadership that's really in our linebacking core, Gary. Exactly, and that's why I think it wouldn't hurt to, to, to try him. Yeah, I agree with that. And then I think two people coming back this year that are also key to our defensive success are, of course, Crevion LeBlanc, who was out for pretty much all of last year. Um, and he's coming back this year, a guy that they're high on. And I don't know, nobody's really sure if they want to use him as a hybrid or just as a corner, so we'll see what happens there. But he's a guy that showed some good signs. And then, of course, our draft pick um, from a few years back, Sidney Jones. I think this is probably one of the final chances of him to prove he had, he can be an NFL starter. And then after this, he's going to pretty much be known as a rotation player. He he has to eventually show. He was drafted in 2017. We're now getting to 2020. I understand he's had some injuries, but... You don't wait. It's a business. They still don't wait for your injuries. Look at other players throughout history. So you need to eventually show something in order to show that you're worthy of still um, being recognized for what they think you could be potential-wise. Because as of now, I think a lot of people are starting to dwindle on his potential. Yeah, this this is definitely a show me year for for Cindy Jones. I think uh, he raised a lot of question marks last year with with, how, with his struggles. So I, I think it's a big year for him. Um, I, I, I'm I still okay with taking that chance in the second round with him, though. I was a big fan of him out of Washington, so I think he just didn't heal the way everyone expected, and then he re heard it, so I, I think it's just a tough luck situation there. But I agree with still picking him and taking the chance. But I really hope we can uh, get going this year. But yeah, it is definitely the year for him to try and do something or, or his spot on the team is in jeopardy. Yeah. No, I agree with that because it's kind of like if the Eagles, I'll offer you a scenario for this year's um, draft. If the Eagles, for some reason, more secondary people get picked than we think, 
So they don't have, they pick the receiver, and then by the time they get to the second round, they don't really have a secondary person that they want either because more people got picked than they want. If that guy from Colorado, Latavius Chenault, the receiver, falls because of um, some of his injuries, he has a high upside where he has the size and body structure a bit to develop into a guy more like a Jeffrey, that if you take a chance on him in the second because of his high upside and he pans out, he would then be either the opposite of what Sidney Jones was as a receiver or he would be kind of the equivalent if he kind of just becomes all right. Um, that would kind of be a decent comparison, I think, in this year's draft. It's not the same position, but just going off of a guy that had a bigger injury that has high upside, uh, I think that would be a decent comparison. I agree with you, especially with the, with the need at the time we needed a corner, and this time you need a receiver. So I agree with that, that comparison. Yeah, yeah, because especially if we pick a corner or a safety in the first round, depending what falls to us as a better secondary position, especially because you can move some safety. Um I would think he would then be one of our high possibilities in the second round, and then we would just wait an extra um, year. That's kind of one of the reasons why I was annoyed. I don't know about you, but I think we should have signed one veteran receiver or traded like a sixth or a seventh for one veteran receiver on a team that doesn't want him anymore, like say a Danny Amendola of the world, just so you have somebody that's more short-handed. So if you want to get somebody that you know you got to wait a bit for, a la the Sixers, or a la the Eagles with Sidney Jones, you don't feel like you're pressing people to play more than they're supposed to. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, I think there's still guys out there that you could you could do that and take a chance on. Um, I mean... Well, you could take a chance the, on Doug. The, 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 high, the high quality guys like Robbie Anderson are gone, yeah, yeah. but I, I think there's still... Let me ask still... you something. Because I just thought of it. The Eagles have had interest in this guy in the past. The NFL-CBA has changed. There's no suspensions for this anymore. Do you think anyone's going to sign Josh Gordon now, since he physically cannot be disbarred from the league once he gets reinstated? No, nah, I don't. He doesn't fit the Eagles system. We like the good guy. Like, we like the guys not that are going to cause problems. He's too much of a we question mark. We signed Michael Vick. Um, well, that was before. That's not Doug, that's not Doug Peterson. That's Andrew. Uh, no. We also signed a, what was that linebacker's name that brought the gun into the airport? Uh, Nigel Braddon. <laughs> well, that happened when he married after we signed him. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> but but and, I and, think, like, Taylor Gabriel, I think he'd be a better fit than Josh Gordon. Um Oh, I agree, but do you think anybody will sign Josh Gordon in general, too? I'm just curious, because now nah, he can physically... I think, I think Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown are both done. I could see A.B. I feel like Gordon might get a chance from somebody that needs a receiver. I don't know about before the season, but I think if there's injuries in season, you will see Josh Gordon back, because what do you have to lose at this point? He can't be suspended. You know what I mean? Like, A.B. could still be suspended. Josh Gordon can't because of the new uh, season. I just think it's too much of a headache. Yeah, the biggest difference is I think, um, like, to me, I agree with that. I don't normally like dealing with players that are um, headaches. But if you can fit well, like, like you said, with the Eagles, he might not fit the best in the system. But if you're somebody, like, say the Lions, for example, that always have done well when they've had as many wide receivers that have a great catch radius in their offense in general. And that would really help Stafford. 
I think they're a team that could suck that up because, one, they don't have the Philadelphia media coverage that's going to be following all that crap as much. And two, if he's doing well, no one's going to care what the hell he's doing when he's not playing football. That's the that's also the main um, thing. When you alter the rules that it don't matter, um, you don't really care what other people are doing. Like Steve Kerr, people have said that, I remember I watched a couple NBA interviews, and they said one of the people that smokes in the NBA is the freaking, what's it called, Warriors coach. Um, and he's one of the best coaches in the league. So, like, if you don't have the rules for it, no one cares what they do on the side as long as they do a good job. That's kind of what I was getting at. Because we've had a lot of players like that in the past that have off-field issues, but as long as they do good on the field, their team doesn't seem to care. I get it, but I, I, again, I think the Eagles aren't that team. I think Doug Peterson oh, stressed yeah. it before. What if he went back to the Browns? <laughs> That would be hilarious. That'd be, fun. That'd be a mess. Javaris, Odell, and Gordon. That's just a shouting match on the sideline. Yeah, well, I think Gordon will be fine now because with the Patriot, like with the teams he's been on since he's been back and away, he's been more of a, um, I don't know the best word to put it, but like not like a mensch. Like he's been like actually like a decent. Like from what they said when I watched like Sports Center and stuff, he's actually kind of tried to blend in better. The yeah. locker rooms, knowing he has to um, show himself and reprove himself. True, but uh, again, he's had so many chances. Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe him anymore. Yeah, I I still think Josh Gordon will get another chance. Antonio Brown is another um, story, but because TB twelve wants him to get another chance, whether and especially he wanted it with him, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, he's one of the technical, unofficial ambassadors of the NFL. So, I think if that lingo keeps being thrown around, A.B. will get another chance. Because it's kind of like if someone made a mistake in hockey and someone like Ovechkin or Crosby was like, yeah, I would give them another chance. They're talented enough and uh, and are good enough of a person that they just screwed up and deserve another chance. Like, that, it would kind of be the same degree of um, a person commenting on it. That's the only reason I think he could possibly get another chance because... Someone that's respected so much says that he thinks you should get another chance. Yeah, I just uh, again, and he was welcoming. Any, any team can sign him right now. It's just nobody wants to. Yeah. Well, the other side of it though was like Stephen A. Smith said, this man was welcoming Antonio Brown, who could have been a convicted felon weeks down the line, into his home with his wife and kids to live in his spare damn bedroom because he didn't have enough wide receivers on his team. <laughs> so, um, that that if, if Tom Brady's that nice to you when he knows you're not the best person, to say the least, the and you're going through stuff that you should have dealt with a while ago, then that speaks a lot of volumes to me where that's the reason I feel he could... Uh, potentially get another chance. I don't think it will be here, don't get me wrong, but I, I think he could potentially uh, get another chance. But we'll see um, where that goes. But a big question um, going back to the birds is, to segue back to quarterback real quick, we don't really have a backup quarterback right now. Yeah, we still have Nate Sutfeld in our organization, but I haven't seen enough from Nate Sutfeld that I want to go into a season with Nate Sutfeld as our steady backup quarterback, especially with the unfortunate history Wentz has of fluke injuries and just other stuff. 
So I don't know if there's anybody on the market or anybody that's easy to trade for as a backup for a team that you would like um, to specifically go after. But if you had anybody, uh, go ahead and share now. I'd, I'd take Joe Flacco. I mean, I think he's he's at the end of, end of his career. I know that, but I think, I mean, he's won a Super Bowl before. I, don't, I mean, I don't think, obviously, he's the best option, but I think he's an option now that he got cut from Denver. I'd be okay with going, taking a shot at Joe Flacco. Um, he's also durable, other than last year. Yeah. Like, last year was his first big injury. Yeah, and that's what kind of scary was to get older, though. The chance of redoing that kind of could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Blake Bortles is an option if you want to bring in a guy who has experience. I think he kind of fit the system a, a little well. I mean, obviously he's nothing special, but I think he's a good backup. Bring him in. I think, and then uh, I don't know if Josh McCown retired. I don't think I heard him retiring, but I'd give him another one-year deal. I think he did well. Um, yeah, I know he's forty plus years old, but he, he must that's be the a, problem. He, he, yeah. he always won a playoff game on one yeah. leg. So yeah, that's the problem. The durability, the one leg part's the problem. Because if he gets injured, not in the playoffs, he ain't going to continue playing on one leg. <laughs> yeah. So that's the other side of that. If that was a regular season game, he would have yanked himself, probably. Yeah, probably, but. Not. I think I'd take a chance on it. Bring I him could back. see. He's yeah. not my first option. I think my first option again would be Joe Flacco. That would be but. mine. And then uh, it's interesting you bring up Bortles. I'm not sure if you brought that up because you remembered um, that he was a guy that I actually thought would be decent um, eventually for Jacksonville, which of course never happened. So that's a guy that uh, I predicted um wrong on because he showed some good signs when he first came into the league and then was just never able to figure it out but he for his size at like six and a half whatever he is like six five whatever the hell he is uh he actually has a little bit of mobility and a little bit of athleticism as a backup quarterback not as a starter per se I've seen I've I've watched him enough as a starter to see he's not able to do that for extended clips unless if he reproves himself like a Bridgewater-esque year or something like that. But he's shown that he can be a good backup in my mind because the big thing with Blake Bortles was he tends to think the game pretty well. So that's typically what you want in a backup quarterback. And he seems to be accepting that role well. So I think he would fit in well to the uh, quarterback room. And if you continue to like Nate Sutfeld, he's also another guy. The Eagles love those mind quarterbacks. Like I call them mind bender quarterbacks. Those guys that are just great at knowing the game. The Eagles, if you if you have them on the market, the Eagles will probably marry all of them. So, uh, that I think Bortles is a has a high chance, and then for that same reason, I think Joe Flacco has a high chance because he's always been known as a uh, thinker of a game manager of a quarterback rather than like a complete elite overall quarterback. Even when he won the Super Bowl. I was still on the fence of calling him elite because you just—he still showed signs of just being a great game manager that just played up. <laughs> That's kind yeah, of, and so. this thing I like Flacco, and I think he'd be an upgrade over Sudfield. But I don't know if Bortles is much of an upgrade over Sudfield. I really don't. I think uh, I mean they watch Nate every day in practice, so if they got faith in him over over a guy like Bortles, I understand that. Um, I think Flacco would be. Like well, I think Bortles would be upgrade. an upgrade because he has a decent arm. So, like, if you're talking about a guy like the reason the Jags thought they would like Blake Bortles is because they had guys like Hearns, um, 
and like guys that just flew down the uh, field, like Robinsons of the world, like et cetera, et cetera, Lees, Marquise, Lee, that that they thought that him being able to air it out would be beneficial. Where I think if you're drafting a quicker receiver per se, and then you think Djax's going to be pretty healthy, I think Bortles could be a solid backup for that reason because obviously with Sudfeld. Uh, when you just throw somebody into the game, uh, it's kind of hard to mix in a lot of decent air-out throws when you have no experience in the NFL whatsoever, when you kind of just got thrown in in the middle of the game after an injury. That's why um, I feel just having a veteran in general, whether they're very talented or not, can sometimes be helpful. And as I said, I mean, I think Blake Bortles has some stuff there as a backup. He just never found it as a... uh, Starter. I mean, it's not like he had no good years in the NFL, which is why I think he has a chance to be a decent backup. If he played like Brandon Whedon, then yeah, I would say he doesn't have a chance to be a decent backup, but he did. So, <laughs> like, he had a couple years with 30-some, 20-some touchdowns before he really took a hit in 2018. So, that that's all I'm saying. No, I, I agree. I think we're on the same page on that one. Yeah, because his best year was, um, uh, going back and looking at stats, was 15 when he actually did great. Uh, he had 35 and 18 for 4,428 yards. Then he had 23 and 16, and then 21 and 13. So his interceptions, the good thing I see for a backup quarterback, though, even though he threw some less touchdowns in some of those years, but of course that contributed to Fournette running like a wild animal some, too. Um,. You had his interception go down each of these years. Even his bad year that he only threw 13 touchdowns. He had a bad ratio, but he actually had only 11 interceptions. Um, it, which, But that's only 12 games. So I would go off of the recent year. He had 13, which is his lowest, uh, which is actually a pretty good interception total. Uh, even with 21 touchdowns, that's actually not absolutely horrific. I've seen uh, much worse than that from teams that are competitive. So... Uh, that's why I see he could be a decent backup, especially with the interceptions trending down, because that's what you care about the most. Yeah, that's what you want a backup, is just a guy that can come in and be a game manager more than anything. Yeah. I mean, well, you had Nick Foles in 17 was special, but, I mean, usually you're just going to get a game manager like a Matt Castle or something like that. Mm-hmm. I actually think a perfect backup, if he dwindles, uh, hear me out, but if Foles does... um take the reins and becomes a dude in Chicago. I think if you can develop him a bit just because he can move and he's more nimble. A lot of other people have said this too. Trubinsky might actually be the perfect backup for you in Philly because he has a strong arm. You can develop him into more of a game well, manager rather than... The, hey, well, okay, if, he's, if he's the perfect backup, why would Chicago get rid of him? Well, I don't think they'll keep him as a backup. Because I think I, I don't think he I think eventually he's gonna want to go somewhere. Like if Foles if Foles continues to get injured, then I think he'll be fine with that. But if Foles starts staying healthy and shows durability, I think Mitch himself knows he has the talent that if someone goes down, kind of like Bridgewater and Tannehill did, uh, he can reprove himself somewhere else. Where I don't think he would want to stay in Chicago personally if um, he doesn't. Like, feel like he's ever going to have a chance to get into a game. I agree in the sense of, I guess, talent-wise and the skill level. But by no means am I picking up that contract for a backup. 
Well, his contract's not that big. He didn't, they didn't give him an extension yet, did he? Yeah, he's on a four-year, like, $135 million deal. Trubinsky? I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure that's... I don't think... Mitch, I'm pretty sure Mitch is not on that big of a contract. No, nah, I know they extended him. Hold up. Uh, buh, 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 buh. Let me check. He gets paid. He signed. Mitchell Trubinsky signed a four-year tournament with the Chicago Bears. Um, this John says he's a UFA after 2022 and an FA, I guess, next year. Because this says he just gets paid for next year on uh, sports track. Okay, I got sworn you signed a contract with the Bears. Yeah, that was around what Foles' contract was, I think. A little bit lower, but I think that was around what Foles' contract was with the, um... Um... With, you know. But, um... Yeah. I think that's around what his contract was, if I'm not mistaken. That might be what you were getting... Because he's... Uh, Oh, wait, here we go. Oh, no, 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 no. This is... Signed a 41... Okay, Maybe it was the three... If he, maybe if they were going to sign him, but I don't know. Yeah, given a chance to earn it, you plenty of motivation to recover from a slip. Yeah, I think that might have been the talk, because I'm trying to find it. Um... Well, I can't find where it says he actually um, signed. Yeah, it was a four-year, four-year, twenty-nine million total was his last contract. So I must be thinking of his original rookie contract. I guess I saw the four years. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But I just think if he's a guy that they would let go, he could be a deal. Also, um, because I have faith in our coaching staff uh, more or less than anything, and also like they said on the radio. You ain't going to be calling for him, I don't think, to come in as a backup over Carson Wentz. And if you are, then that's when you know they're not true Eagles fan. He, you can develop him into a game manager again. He's talented. Winston can be a backup. He has yeah. the, the compiling stats. I, I don't just know got if he'd take role just with, got a with like, the Patriots open. I think he might have to, because I don't think the Patriots want him. In my, in my opinion, it seems like the Patriots are looking towards more next year, where they're going to probably let. In my opinion, if they're going off of who they have now, they're going to let Stidham start, and then they're going to see where that goes, and then if he actually becomes a pretty decent game manager, then they might just roll with that dude and then just pick around him. True. But, but I think that's their method because if Stidham doesn't do anything. They'll just pick one of the best quarterbacks in next year's draft because next year has disgusting quarterbacks in it. Um, yeah. And then if he does, then they'll just pick other disgusting positions in next year's draft. So I think they're not in a bad situation whatsoever, even after losing Brady, especially because they have one of the masters of the league in uh, Bill Belichick, one of the masterminds of the league. So That is true. But I think a good one of the good things... Um, for the end of our podcast would be if going into next season I know it's still a little bit early but who do you think 
could be some of the bigger competition for the Eagles, not just in the division, but in the uh, conference as well, because obviously the AFC would not be until the Super Bowl if we get there. So, so who's the biggest competitor to the Eagles in the conference, though, isn't it? Yeah. I'd probably say the Saints and the Packers would be my two leading choices. The Saints and Packers? Yeah. I think with the Saints bringing back Breeze, adding Emmanuel Sanders, adding Malcolm Jenkins, I think they're going to be a, a pretty force to be reckoned reckon with next year. And then Packers coming off a 13-3 and season, second year under a new coach with Rodgers coming back and getting their healthy offense back just like the Eagles. I, I think that team's going to be dangerous too. I agree. And then a team that you also can't um, ever count out because of their defense is um, Minnesota. Because I think Minnesota's a team that, whenever they feel like it, um, they can steal a game from you just because their defense uh, did it for you. Where um, Kirk played pretty good last year, don't get me wrong, but their defense was the biggest reason why they got to where they got to. Well, the NFC is also so talented. I mean, you can list a ton of teams. I don't think there's any runaway team. Like, I think, obviously, teams I didn't mention, you have the 49ers, the Seahawks, like you said, the Vikings. Like, I, I think it's just – and now we can't count the Buccaneers with Tom Brady coming in. So, I think – I mean, I just think the NFC is so good where there's, like, plenty of teams that can – I think this makes home field so important. Mm-hmm. Now um, – oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, but that I think out of all the teams in the NFC, I think the two teams I'd be most afraid of, say if I had to travel to a road mm-hmm. game I, I, in the playoffs, I'd pick the Saints and the Packers. Okay. Well, I could see – okay, now that you change it to a road game in the playoffs, I well, can see because even, Lambeau, even, Lambeau, in my opinion, just due to weather, one, and then the atmosphere is typically one of the harder stadiums to play in the playoffs because it tends to be – near freezing, if not below freezing at that point in time, and sometimes snowing. Um, I'd, say, I'd say even a home game, though. Like uh, I think at this point in his career, I think Brady's still good, but he's not what he used to be. But Oh, yeah, I, I wasn't going to say I, the Bucks. I was going to say, I think, for me, because I see Jimmy G taking a bigger step because eventually Kyle Shanahan's going to have to get his head out of his you-know-what and just trust his quarterback more. Um yeah. I think 49ers take a small step back this year. Well, the thing is, record-wise, maybe, but that doesn't necessarily mean... Like, if you only get 10, 11 wins, that doesn't mean anything for how far you're going to get in the postseason. Because Uh, 13 13 is just a very good season. I mean, most teams, when they get 13 wins, don't consistently put those back-to-back-to-back. So, um, I just see him taking a bigger step because... Again, one of the masterminds of the NFL. His idea was to get rid of Brady a few years ago and keep Garoppolo. So he obviously saw a lot in the dude. And I don't think Shanahan at this point is using him to his full abilities yet. I don't think I think Kyle Shanahan is a very solid coach. I just think he's not good at critiquing in-game situations potentially at this point. Obviously, two of the biggest ones being in the Super Bowls. Um, but the one was also on Quinn because that's on the Falcons head coach, too, for not getting the defense in order. Um, but the other one is mostly on him and somewhat on the defensive coordinator. But that's uh, that's what I have for there because I think playing in San Francisco is one of the tougher stadiums. And then for me, 
I would put Seattle um, up there just because no matter where they're ranked, Russell Wilson is kind of the, like, Swiss Army knife of the NFL, where, like, you could have, like, you could probably put, like, a bunch of people that nobody knows in his receiving court off of the damn street for a game, and he would still make it a competitive game. He would just be like, okay, you just run whatever the hell you want to do and try to get open. You do the same thing, and you do the same thing, and I'll throw it to whoever the hell is open. It's like, okay, sounds great. Um, and somehow he would probably be competitive doing that. Because this is also the man that called a game when his mic went out. <laughs> so, um, like, I, I think he, I think no matter what, the Seahawks at home were one of the toughest opponents in the NFL because if we're talking about smartest quarterbacks, uh, Russell Wilson might not go down. He might, if he continues to win some Super Bowls and gets his MVP numbers back in some years, which I think he can do, he might not go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time per se, but I think in most people that know football's minds, he will go down as one of the smartest um, quarterbacks and um, most athletically talented quarterbacks as well um, of uh, our time and maybe all time as well because that's just what you see in Russell Wilson, just like mastery of the game. Yeah. And he's short. And he's short. He's like a Drew Brees size type quarterback too, and he's doing all that stuff. Yeah, that's fair. And that's why I think he, he, I mean, they're always going to be a force to be reckoned with too, and they never can count them out. But yeah, again, that just shows how loaded the NFC is. Depending where Cam goes too, that really um, can change the outlook of a team. See, I I don't know which team he'd go to that would make me afraid of him. That I'm not already afraid of. Well, I don't know about the NFC, but in the overall league, I think the Chargers could be greatly improved if they get Cam Newton and he does well because they have one of the better overall rosters. It's just Rivers was just starting to like get um, window out there, and that just happens over time sometimes. And maybe he'll find some success with the Colts for a year. I could see that working out better for him. But... Um. I'm not a Cam Newton fan, but if I was to pick somewhere, that'd be a good fit for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm kicking out Baker Mayfield. Go to Cleveland, give him Odell Beckham Jr., give him Javaris Landry, give him uh, Austin uh, Hooper they just signed from the Falcons, give him those running backs. That would be a team I'd be afraid of, and I'd, I'd be a lot more afraid of that team That's true. than Baker Mayfield. I don't. Th- although I don't think Baker Mayfield's done yet. I think. He's oh, just- I don't think they're going to give up on him. I'm just yeah. saying. I also don't think he's done yet. I just think he needs to mature. I mean, they had. Um, I don't know if it was on NFL Total Access, but then they also had him on First Take the one time, and he talked about uh, how he had to grow and mature, and how he's learned a lot from looking back at tape. Now, obviously, you have to move talk into the next season, but I'm just going to trust him and go off of what he's saying now where it seems like he's moving very well in the right direction in terms of football and overall maturity to really then just hone in on his skills. Um, So I think this is the year that we're really going to see him kind of come together after having a solid start to his career, not so good, and then I think you're going to see it come back up and kind of that'll be where Baker Mayfield's at. And then he he can obviously still improve, but I don't see him being a elite of the elite. Like, I don't see Baker Mayfield becoming close to what Cam Newton was. But uh, I could see him becoming a poor man's Cam Newton, if that makes any sense. Like, he could become a good lesser version of Cam Newton if he continues to hone in his career. Yeah. 
Gotcha. He also ain't his agility, and like no one's Cam Newton. Cam Newton a, was a freaking truck. Yeah. He was an eighteen wheeler coming at your freaking body. <laughs> like that's why that dude gets injured now because the Panthers ran him into the ground. But um, yeah, I think. I've never been the hugest fan of Cam's personality, but um, a lot of people I know have helped me to um, separate personality from player. I used to not do that. Um, where player, you have to give the dude props. He, he if, if he stays healthy, he still has pretty good talent, in my opinion. Where um, personality, sure. Where it's the same with Jameis. I always thought his immaturity and his stubbornness is what's got in his way his entire career. Um, I've always thought he had the chance to be a much better quarterback than he has been. But I don't think it's Jay Cutler-esque, so I never hated Jameis Winston. I still like Jameis Winston, actually. I just think he needs to still figure it all out, and I think that might be as a backup for um, this season, where there's no chance in hell Cam Newton's being a damn backup. So, yeah. Um, and Jameis Winston I would not mind having here, but... But I don't know if um, on the way out you had any other moments you wanted to touch on. Or also, I think we should obviously get to before we leave. Um, I think one of the biggest leaders coming into our team is likely going to be obviously Darius Slay. And he's going to be a guy that looks to replace Malcolm Jenkins in also somewhat the leadership column because he's been known to be a guy that's good with um, leading the team and helping out his younger bros, as he would call them, um, with his uh, teammates and everything. So I don't know if you agree with that or not. but yeah, It was a great move. Basically, kind of for a little um, good steal there by High Roseman. I think he up a third and a fifth, so that's not too much at all. Um, then, yeah, I don't think he's going to be too much of a fact in the beginning of the year as a leader just because they're going to trust a lot of the other guys that have been here for a while before they go to him. Um, but definitely for the corner, the group, the cornerback group, he'll definitely be big, big part of that. will be the, probably the most experienced, uh, unless we sign someone else. But I think, yeah, no, it's going to be a big part of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think he, is going to be a um, great guy for the team and become and develop into a great leader for the team over time. Because as you said, that don't just happen uh, overnight, unless if you're Kevin Hayes for the Flyers and you play for about two weeks and then you're one of the best leaders on the team. But uh, that don't normally happen. So, But I think a thing with Slay, too, just to... Um, go a little uh, full-hearted and funny to uh, round out the podcast. I don't know what you thought on uh, Matt Patricia, who I think is also a bad head coach, but that's a different story for a different podcast if we want to get to that at some point in time. But um, I don't know what you thought on Matt Patricia on what he said to Darius Slay because, as Stephen A. said, sometimes you're flipping on the player and say, well, what about coachability? And he said, you can't do that in this instance. And I agree because Matt Patricia's talking out of his you-know-what saying that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's coach trying to be too powerful. Um, I think it's similar to Chip Kelly. I think he's just uh, too powerful in that sense, and he's trying to take over a team and build a team the way Bill Belichick did. But they're not the same guy. They don't have the same resume, so it's too early to be doing that. And 
it, it got the players mad at him, and I think he lost lost one of his best players because that. Yeah, well, I think he was trying to be Bill, Bill in that um, sense of kind of trying to be hard on the player, and I don't know if he tried to make that because they always say it's hard to tell Belichick if he's being sarcastic to you or actually dead-ass serious at times. Uh, players have said that. I don't know if he was trying to say that as like a like hard ass and not actually serious or but either way, it's just stupid for a head coach to tell one of the better one interception rate safeties in all of football, but two just coverage uh corners, excuse me, in all of football. And to say you don't deserve to work out with those guys because you're not elite. That just doesn't make like it doesn't make sense, and it makes you look like an idiot because you were known to be more of a defensive mind. You would come, you came from being a defensive coach, and if you can't see that, that kind of just shows that you're not that good of a coach. Yeah, no, I agree with you. There's no business telling a guy because even if the guy's not, even if Slay's not elite, why not work out the the elite of the elite players? That, that's the only way you're going to get better. Exactly, especially Sherm. Sherm's one of the best teachers in the not, ga- of the game. Yeah, he's not going to get better at working out with a bunch of rookies. Or No offense to rookies, I'm not saying they're not going to be good. But he's not going to get any better working out with them. He'll get better by working out with the, the good guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody talks about how much Richard Sherman is like, if you're a corner, he's the dude you want to try to link yeah. up with. Yeah. So, I, I completely agree with that. I just think that was Matt Patricia trying to act like he has more value than he really does at this point, kind of like Bill O'Brien's been doing for the last two months. Um, I think both of those guys will probably be fired uh, by the end of this respective season, in my opinion, but we'll see where that goes. But I don't know if you had any final closing wrapping up points or um, any recommendations for people still, if you had any new ones from yesterday to do while in quarantine, whatever. I haven't found anything new uh, recently, but I just say stay tuned for our draft edition of the Eagles podcast in these next coming weeks. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, stay tuned for the draft edition. Of course, we're going to keep updated with that news because of the updated timeline. Uh, I'm sure the NFL might have some people talking to them about that, but we'll see what happens there, but this has been True Philadelphian Sports Chaos Wentzwagon Edition. Uh, my Twitter's at JJBorak26 with the um, pockets being True underscore Philly Sport. Andrew, what's yours? I'm AJ underscore Santangelo. Have a pleasant good day, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands for 20 seconds. As Dave Grohl said on the concert last night, just listen to the chorus of, or sing the chorus of My Hero, and you're at 20 seconds. Peace out, everybody. Have a great night.